This is Molly Donovan, um, and she's an associate curator of modern and contemporary art at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C., so it's just right across the way um, at the mall. She has a particular interest in film and land-based art and was uh, responsible for the exhibition and catalog Christo and Jean-Claude in the Vogel Collection, and also she was involved with the Andy Goldsworthy Project, and um, I guess it's an installation of his piece called Roof at the National Gallery. Upcoming, she's working on um, uh, called uh, Warhol Headlines. It's his Headlines Paintings, um, a series that uh, will be exhibited in 2009 in the fall. So um, we're really happy to have you here. And she's going to talk about this piece by Kim Suja. Kim Suja is a Korean um, artist who lives, has lived, she was born in Korea in 1957, and she has lived and worked in New York City since 1999. But she's a somewhat peripatetic artist who travels around quite a bit in her work, which is quite performative. Um, I should say first why this work interested me among all the great works installed here at the Hirshhorn. Laundry Woman um, is the title of the work and it was something I saw about a year ago now in Venice in an extraordinary exhibition called Our Tempo that was installed at the Palazzo Fortuni. Um, the backdrop was exquisite and it was included among a range of objects that um, spanned time um, from antiquity to the present. But this was a work um, that really stopped you in your tracks and I was really bowled over by the power of its quietude um, and I thought that that mattered somehow in, in, in our busy world that we live in um, today that that a, a work of art I mean most art is quiet unless it's video and it has a sound piece but this particular work just conveyed a sense of balance and um, serenity that I found compelling um, when you think of quiet work you think there's a whole history of modernist work from John Cage's um, famous piece, Four Minutes and 33 Seconds, that where a performer comes in and sits at a keyboard and the entire space is filled by the silence. Um, this is different, obviously. It's a visual piece of, of great import. Um, but it's about this idea of um, balance and identity. And um, I should say that Kim Suja's name is one that she where she elided her her first name and her last name and it became a kind of political statement um, and she said a one named person is an anarchist um, in her website which is a wonderful website um, but that in the Korean culture as I understand it um, that a name is a very personal um, personal thing and you can actually go through your entire lifetime and, and, and not call anybody by their first name um, but that it's it's meant to be something that holds great reverence um, in, in the Korean culture and she though identifies the particular um, particulars of names um, as referencing marital status and gender so by alighting her first and last name um, she thought she was, you know, that was an important statement to make about um, social status and gender. Um, here we're looking at a figure with her back to us and um, dressed, and she's 
dressed, this is the artist herself, she's dressed as a laundry woman. She's chosen a kind of everyday person to have us identify with. We act, she's actually the entry point through which we, we go into this work. And um, if you walk up to the screen, your shadow's on the screen, and you're meant, you're, you're come in right about at the same height as the, the figure, and I'll just demonstrate here. So it's about the same profile that um, she allows for you to enter. She's a vertical element. You have this kind of, you know, top to bottom horizontal element moving very quietly and slowly in front of us. And that's the Yamura um, River in India. Um, <clears throat> this viewpoint that she provides is a very distinctive viewpoint. Um, it's this scene from above. Um, spatial tilt and um, the art historian Leo Steinberg, now that's going off, I guess it's going to loop. He called it the flatbed picture plane and he said it was a revelation in the history of art and it was actually written up this morning um, that very reference is made in regard to um, the artist Robert Rauschenberg who passed away this week. So I thought that was a really um, interesting uh, timely mention of this pictorial device that's used to beautiful effect in this in this work, um, the idea of a river as something that is ever changing but static is a is re relates to a Buddhist principle, um, and the artist is is very much um, calling on that tradition. Um, a river as something that changes all the time but can never be the same twice, um, and in that she's making a connection to our humanity. Uh, a kind of metaphor about humanity um, as something that's constant but um, constantly changing and, um, and ephemeral. And you may know, some of you who know um, Kim Suja's work, it extends to the use of fabric in her work. And fabric is something she has used from the beginning of her um, career as something that is, you know, close the clothes the body from, uh, and covers the body from birth to death, and that um, references this idea of change. And, and um, she's famous, really, for this group of work called her Botari um, works, where she bundles uh, personal possessions, anonymous personal possessions, in bed, beautifully colored um, bed clothes, bed sheets, and travels around with these bundles. Um, and uh, I was reminded that that was actually a work, there was a big um, cart, a truck as it were, um, in, at the Venice Biennale in 99, and I did see that work, and I was reminded in doing some of the research to prepare for my talk today that I had actually seen that. So um, I've known her work for, for a bit. So she's really, the river really becomes part of human existence. The um, a metaphor for human existence. The, your, um, the river here is actually a very sacred Hindu river, um, more, more sacred than the Ganges, in fact. Um, and so a lot of what you're seeing float by on the river's surface is the effects of um, what is left over from funeral pyres. Um, and so funereal, um, you know, detritus um, ashes. Um, cremated ashes, flowers, um, the actual, you know, wood from the pyre itself, anything that didn't burn. 
So you're looking at the ephemerality of, of human existence float, float by um, the artist. And it looks almost like she could be a paste-in. She's so static and she doesn't move. But if you, if you watch very carefully, ever so often, her hair will blow in the wind. Um, so she's, she is, at, in fact, um, kind of standing sentinel to all this to the witness um, all this uh, th this humanity floating floating by her. Time is referenced in this work, certainly, um, both the quiet and slow time in which the river passes. Um, I was remembering, too, uh, another um, moment in Robert Rauschenberg's work um, to remember his humanity uh, about his white paintings and that he said that enabled you to tell the time of day according to the shadows cast on the paintings. And I thought that was kind of an um, interesting thought in relationship to this work that doesn't present any shadows, but in a way the, the, um, the idea of people and their remains passing by um, are like shadows in, the riv in this river. Um, the work is very... Um, the artist, and through this work, creates a kind of modesty, an anti-ego um, stance, and she really wants to serve as a kind of conduit for contemplation, um, which is another very, I think, important and interesting um, stance to take um, today, um, when a lot of our society is focused purely on the ego and the expression of self. As I said, the rhythm is um, it's very slow. There's another piece she has done called Breathe, in which you're listening to the sound of, um, of breathing, and it's a very slow, deliberate breath. And um, she works in different ways. As I said, balance is very important to her work. She doesn't just work in these quiet modes. Although she often does, she um, there's a uh, kind of corollary to this piece called a needlewoman, in which the artist is is essentially like a needle in a haystack in a huge crowd, and she does this. She has done this performance throughout the world, um, in major cities, and stood herself in the middle of a street or a crowded um, urban center, and everyone has moved around her. So. Um, she kind of holds her space, so there, some of the work can seem fast and busy and more visually um, excited. Uh, and some of her earlier videos of snow, for example, are also um, fast and frenetic and almost dizzying, um, so they're not all calm. It's, it's this kind of um, tension that she presents between frenetic and calm that is important. Um, I think the fact that, as I said earlier, that she picks a laundry woman is important to kind of contemplate your everyday life, um, to ch that she chose this um, everyday source um, to present herself as. And um, I just wanted to leave you, because this is meant to be a kind of meditative piece. She's meant to meditate. So I wanted to say a couple more things and then I wanted to open it up for your own meditations um, because I think that's important. Um, 
as I said, the reason I was drawn to this work is because it literally stopped me in my tracks as a curator and looking at art sometimes too quickly um, in this exhibition. It just slowed me down. Um, and, uh, and that's a rare thing because I tend to race through shows and race through my looking um, process and to actually have the power in, the, in this quiet way to hold a viewer in front of a space I think is, is extraordinary. So I think it's a really um, strong work. But um, <clears throat> the critic and art historian Robert Morris, um, Morgan, pardon me, Robert Morgan, has said, um, wrote of, of her work um, that we may become aware that the feelings of the void so clearly articulated in the performances of Kim Suja are endangered in a world of chaotic excess. We can only look to the, to the void that she has created. And what I would add to that is, you know, and what you come up with is, is your own meditation. So on that note, I wanted to open up the floor. <laughs> if she um, talked at all about um, the laundry woman idea, when I was in Varanasi on the Ganges, one thing that really I found sort of shocking, disturbing, and at the same time beautiful was seeing women washing saris in the Ganges as the bodies were being burned and floated, floated down the river. And that all of this was taking place in the same water that was moving. And, you know, all of the ideas that go along with that, with the washing being done in that same water. I wondered if that laundry woman theme has anything to do with that. You know, I, maybe Kelly knows the answer to that. I do not. I haven't read anything where the artist has talked about that, but I think that is an extraordinary observation and connection, um, Lynn, so. She makes the metaphors, Molly's point out, between sort of life and fabric, more than sort of water. And she was shooting this year in a center, center of Mumbai that has this huge laundry that's been there for ages and ages. and really was attracted to it because of the fabric more than necessarily the laundering, but it's, as you point out, a sort of nice parallel. And she talks a lot about fabric being important to her life and recalls sitting at the knee of her mother when they were sewing and stitching and this sort of thing. And then her very first work before she became a video artist, she used fabric applied to the surface of a picture. And the first ones were more um, like, almost like um, Mondrian, but then built up off of the surface and then into the sculptural dimension that Molly mentioned that were the these Batari. these Botari yeah. that are sort of picking up your whole life as it exists in fabric, your bedding and putting it in a bundle and then moving. So the the early work that um, Kelly's talking about, they look like G's Ben quilts. They're ex abstractions, but they're extraordinary, and her use of color relates very closely to the vernacular, um, you know, in her. Native Korean culture. It's beautiful. So, uh, Aunt Lynn, I thank you for that observation because I think that's spot on. Um, she, not that I had read, you know, um, anything about that, but I, I think that's probably absolutely in there. I guess I had another um, thought about the the laundry woman topic, and um, <clears throat> it was interesting that you 
described her name as a sort of rebellion in a way, or trying to break down uh, gender and politics. Um, because a laundry woman is an active role, and it's, um, it's a menial role, and here there's this resistance. She's in calling herself laundry woman, but she's there's this refusal to actually do the laundry. And that contradiction, like what you were noticing in Varanasi between the cleaning of your body or brushing of your teeth or cleaning of your clothing in the same river where the dead or the burned are passing by or, uh, or where sewage also drains into or where people drink from. This chaotic system of dirt and cleanliness, that contradiction as well as this contradiction of this laundry woman, consciously called laundry woman, refusing to engage in the act of laundering, or um, I thought was provocative. And also interesting, too, that she's positioning this viewpoint in India, which is a country of such color and excess of sound and noise and smell. And here, so much of that has been removed. And I think this of oppositions that she has in here is so stunning. Also, with the foreground um, having the densest bit of color, and then the, in the uh, in the distance at the top of the screen is so blank. And that contrast leads to help support all these other contrasts and this personality of this artist that seems to engage in this these acts of refusal. And I thought that was quite compelling. And, the way you were describing it is very quiet. And you know, when I first saw this piece, I thought maybe she had sped up time a little bit. Everything seemed to be moving faster than I thought it should in a way. And then I finally got accustomed to that speed. And then as, as soon as you start to feel the sense of tranquility, these birds chaotically zoom in the opposite direction. And then their shadows you know, reflect off that. And all of a sudden, you think you're in this quiet space, but it's so chaotic. It's not just still, it's moving in this direction, in that direction, and things emerge and recede, and you're not quite sure what is going to happen. I found all of those things so compelling. In, uh, That's a uh, remarkable response, and um, thank you. That was wonderful. Um, I agree. I think, to me, uh, it's, this, it's these series of um, oppositions that she creates that create and I think any good work of art, frankly, um, create these tensions yeah. that aren't immediate, but you intuit them, and that you. And I think she very much um, herself is interested in the idea of exploring those intuitions in terms of um, human nature and and representing that idea and the balance. So I think you've picked up on a lot of the nuances of this work. Well, thank you very much, Molly. And thank you all for joining the conversation, and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for having me.